podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today I'm very happy to say I'm joined by Eve Lond, who is a member of Sydney Band's Imperial Broads and also Reality Instructors. Eve, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, You're welcome and thank you for having me. It's great to have a chat to you. I was saying off uh, off air before, I've seen Imperial Broads play many times, but it's really good to have you here to talk about your music and in particular, the single that you have just released. So there was a new single that came out in March of this year, and you had your single launch at Petersham Bowling Club, which I haven't been to for quite a while. Um, But I'm interested to get your take on, because it seems like it's been a while since you had played a gig with Imperial Broads. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it was really fun to put out the single. It had been a while since we put out any new music. And we've been working on the album for quite some time, so it was just super exciting to have a song released from it. We had released a song that's also on the album on a Spanish compilation called Hits With Tits, but that was kind of an earlier version of it as well. So I guess we had, you know, released something from the album before, but this was the first, like, you know, album version song to go out there, which is which is great. And yeah, we hadn't played for a while. We played a bunch of shows at the beginning of uh, 2020, I guess. Like, and then, you know, COVID happened and everyone was kind of working from home or working from their respective places. And we were getting together to do some album stuff, but we weren't really playing any shows. So it was really great to be out there and to play again. When we launched the single, it was just before you were allowed to kind of stand up and mingle again. So it was right. still a seated show. Like it was literally they'd announced it on the Friday before our show that from Monday you could get up and dance. Um, or, or I don't know if there were still some restrictions on dancing, but you were certainly allowed to kind of stand up. So for our show, it was still a seated show. And it was really interesting. Like you're playing to a bunch of people who were just, kind of staring at you from their seats, (laughs) grooving in their seats a little. It's funny because, you know, you've, as you've mentioned, you've come to see Broad play before. It's not what you'd necessarily think of like a seated show vibe. Mm. Um, (laughs) It's a little raucous and um, a little bratty fun, but it worked really well that way. And um, I don't know, it felt good for us on stage. So hopefully it was nice for the people out there too. Cool. I think um, I wonder if it was. I saw Slater Kinney um, maybe four mm-hmm. years ago at the um, Opera House. Yeah. And that was really my first experience with the kind of seated arrangement as well. And I found that quite interesting because they were, I bet when they were playing like in the 90s when they were first starting out in small rooms, it would have been super raucous. So it was interesting to see them in like a very like civil setting where everyone's just sitting quietly listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Like it's like, you know, because Repressed Records do those um, or did those like opera house shows as part of Vivid, I think. So I remember seeing Royal Headache, so like a seated show at the opera house. 
Um, and that was kind of the one where everybody charged the stage and then there were suddenly cops there. It was all a bit bizarre, actually. But, um, yeah, I, you know, seeing a punk show seated is, is a slightly bizarre thing, but maybe, maybe kind of glorious too in its own way. I don't yeah. know. I saw, I think that, um, so you mentioned it had it been a while. I think it had been about almost 12 months since you had played the last yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'd done like maybe a, t- a small handful of shows, like two or three at the beginning of 2020. And yeah, that then hadn't played for a while. And, you know, like maybe we've had some time between drinks, but I, I feel like we've been pretty steadily gigging since we started playing shows. And there was kind of a time where we were just, saying yes to everything, getting out there, playing shows like every other weekend pretty much. Um, so, yeah, it was it was interesting to have that time off. But, I mean, I guess it was at a time where a lot of people were winding back. And I know a lot of people got out there much sooner and got into those like two-seated shows a night type scenarios. And, um, yeah, so there was definitely stuff that was happening and, you know, able to happen a bit sooner, which was, which was great for musicians and for music venues to be able to get out there and start doing stuff. Um, but yeah, for us, it was, you know, we, we took the year and yeah, it, it, it felt a bit weird just because from the beginning, I guess we have been such a gigging band. So to kind of like wind it back in that way, I don't know, I guess at the same time, because everyone else was a bit quieter, you know, maybe it didn't feel that weird. It felt like it was a quieter time for everybody. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 about to be a slightly quieter time for us again, really, because um, Pip, who's uh, the other guitarist in the band, uh, is pregnant with twins and right. um, really is, could be giving birth any time now. She's not due for another month or so, I think, but with twins, they can come early. So, um, so yeah, it's been kind of a, a funny year. You know, we had a quiet year and then, then we found out um, about that to like, oh, quick, we better get our skates on and, um, you know, all this, all this work that we've got ready to go. Let's, let's get it happening and, and get out there and play a show before we need to kind of, you know, focus on non-gig life for another couple of months and see what it looks like for her once she's had the twins before we get out there again. Mm. So, you mentioned yeah. uh, putting in the work. I think, uh, I mean, by looking at your socials, it kind of seems as though, the recording process for the album that will hopefully be on its way started quite a while ago. Yeah, it really did. It's It's been an interesting process really because it's been recorded. I mean, we started really soon because kind of hot on the heels of the first album, we had a few songs ready to go. So we thought, eh, let's just record them. Let's just do it. And then we started writing some more. So we decided to kind of record it in a way that was a little bit, oh, this is ready. Let's do this now rather than the typical you stop and you write a whole album and then you put it together and record it. So the way we've done this second album is a different process. So for the first album, we had it written, ready to go. We went out to a walnut farm and recorded it for the week and that was done. (laughs) Um, So that was the first album. Whereas this one, it's like, okay, we have a few songs ready, let's go. And I think also just, you know, life circumstance and this just also kind of life circumstance not just for us but generally like it's we suddenly found ourselves in that kind of 
capitalist lifestyle of working super hard with limited time off and what annual leave do we have and when do we have weekends and when can we squeeze this in? You know, I just think a lot of people obviously find themselves in that situation. So the second album was a little bit like, do we have that weekend free? Do we have that night after work where we can meet up and get in the vocal booth and put something down? Um, so, yeah, we just recorded it where we could and when we could. And, you know, it was a really interesting process. I mean, sure, it took a while. <laughs> it's probably not the most efficient and streamlined way of doing things. But it led to some kind of cool circumstances in terms of what do you come up when you're having to write something on the fly or like uh, probably more so for Liam Judson, our producer slash engineer slash mixer slash extraordinaire guy, um, you know, well, here we are in Redfern, let's set something up, what can we record here or let's go over to your studio and do this. So he's, he just had to deal with all these different environments that we were in and put something together in a cohesive whole. And, yeah, so that it feels a bit like a collection of songs over many times recorded in different spaces, but I think it's come together really well and I think it's got a kind of nice diversity to it um, as a result. Right. So it's been, it sounds like it's been quite um, a slow burn, but are you planning to, are we going to see um, a number of singles come out or do you think that we'll be um, hit with the album as a next release? You are going to get a few more tastes before you okay. get the album, but it's a, um, it's, it's a 2021 release, so it is coming <laughs> and more of it is, is coming soon. So, um, yeah, super excited to share some more. I mean, the way that Pip, uh, Lauren and myself work, it's a very uh, democratic split. So we all have an even number of songs on the record and we all take turns at standing in the middle at shows and we all take turns at releasing a single. So Unromantic was quote unquote my song. I say that because we all work on one another's songs and write them a little bit together as well. But that was one that originated from an idea that I took to the band. So, um, so based on that, you can gather that there might be um, to other tastes from the others to come. Okay. Well, from that democratic vote process, I, um, I vote that we listen to the track now. I think we should hear the first uh, single from the next Imperial Broads album. The song we're about to hear is called Unromantic.
That was the new single, Unromantic, from Imperial Broads. Uh, now, Eve, you are going to have a pretty big 2021 because you play in another group called Reality Instructors. Um, and in that outfit, the co-songwriter, Dan, uh, wears a cochlear implant and mm-hmm. you are actually just um, awarded an Accessible Arts Award to help with the release of music for that project. So that sounds like a really great initiative and I'm really interested to hear about um, the project and how that award came about. Yeah, um really excited about this one and the Accessible Arts Grant came to our attention you know, not that long before it was due. And it was through uh, these guys at Bad Vibes, Bad Vibrations, they put on a festival. And they used to be called uh, Sydney Psych Fest and Imperial Broads were on a bill. And they're just real champions of diversity in terms of playing their show. It's a real kind of vibe of acceptance. There's a lot of um, trans, gender non-conforming, non-binary disabilities women like they're real champions for that for diversity and they they put an announcement on their Instagram and I saw it and I said to Dan I don't know what do you think because since Dan has had his cochlear implant I mean music has been difficult it doesn't sound the same through the cochlear implant and we had some recordings that we'd done just before he got the implant and then during his rehab period we had been going through the mixing process and getting the masters and he was feeding notes. I mean, we songwrite together for that project and then he was feeding notes of how he pictured, you know, some of the songs to be and moments in them through to me and the drummer Nick Kennedy and Nick and I were talking about it and talking to the producer Lee Judson um and kind of working that way so it was, it was unusual you know it wasn't the usual kind of situation in that that Dan couldn't really hear uh the final stages of of working through that project and I really love the EP I'm kind of really proud of it as a testament of what you know he was able to do and and what we could do as a band um with him and around him at that time which was Really, when we put it down, it was in the very final stages of his hearing. And, you know, Nick and I have really wanted to get it out there. And it's, it's been something that uh, Dan needed some time on in terms of having the cochlear implant and rehabbing and getting a focus back to it. So this Accessible Arts grant came up and I was really excited about it. And I spoke to Dan and he was into it and we were lucky enough to be successful for it. And, you know, I'm so excited to be putting it out, but I also feel like it's done so much already in terms of, um, I don't know, just that positive re-engagement with music and a musical project that's been something that's been difficult post-cochlear implant. And we're also thinking about how it is that we could do a live project now that he has the cochlear implant in terms of playing him playing guitar based on visuals like visually looking at the guitar um and going off the vibration of nick nick's kick drum um so we've kind of got these ideas of how can we make this project in a in a post hearing world or like it 
it is a hearing world, like Dan's like lowercase d deaf. So he engages in the hearing community, you know, via the implant. Um, but, you know, it doesn't sound the same as as without the implant. So it's it's been a really interesting project. It's been a great initiative. Uh, we're super grateful to have got it and um, really excited to be sharing some some new songs really soon. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be having more to say on that <laughs> soon, yeah. It sounds like such a great initiative. Um, yeah, it's excellent. I mean, it's not just for deaf musicians. Um, it's for, you know, it's, I, I think there are, I think there's maybe one other um, uh, project for like aimed at um, aimed at, at uh, musicians with hearing loss, but it's like it's a spectrum as well. It's people with chronic illness, uh, intellectual disabilities. It's like it's a bunch of different musicians and um, a really interesting sounding project. So I, I really can't wait to hear it all. It's just such a great initiative um, and a really supportive group over at Accessible Arts. So yeah, it's really exciting. You mentioned the idea that the, I guess, as a consequence of having the cochlear implant, uh, the way that he hears is kind of different. I know very little about cochlear implants. I was wondering if it's not inappropriate to do so. Could you expand on how? That... Yeah, how the hearing's different. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting because you know I, I'm going off what's being explained to me. Dan's pretty good at explaining pretty clearly what it sounds like actually in terms of um, he's very he's very clear and he's quite literary so he's got uh, kind of good examples which help to relay that um, I mean he's he was saying that drums don't sound massively different like drums still sound like a drum like they sound a bit different but you can still identify it as a drum um, vocals are super tricky um, like Opera vocals, for example, if you're watching a show and there's opera music on, he's like, it sounds like doomy, horror movie, um, distorted doom music. <laughs> so right. majority of the shows that we're watching, he's like, it just kind of sounds like every TV program I'm watching just sounds like it's got some like creepy horror track to it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of distortion. I mean, I think, I think there's, just recently a little bit more awareness around it because of the film Sound of Metal. And Sound of Metal, I think, does a pretty good job towards the end of trying to um, relay what, what a cochlear implant sounds like, particularly at that early switch-on phase when there's a lot of, like, high-pitched noises and feedback sounds and distortion. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of music that actually doesn't sound super pleasant. And music is rich in tonal diversity, or however you want to put it. And there's only so many channels in a cochlear implant. So there's only so much you can feed through and so much the cochlear implant's able to interpret. Um, right. Through this, it's been really interesting because there's so much of hearing that is um, not just in the ear, that's through communication or that happens in the brain, um, which is a lot of why the cochlear implant works too. So that's been really interesting to think about how much is conveyed in terms of or communicated um, that's not necessarily just verbal listening and and what that might mean for music. Like in terms of writing now, it it's, would be a, a different a different 
approach, but it could be an interesting one, particularly, and I don't know what the best idea is. Like maybe the best idea is to forget about the um, projects you've done in the past in terms of moving forward with writing music and take a different approach entirely. Mm. I mean, we're interested in like, what would it look like to do a gig with this EP and he would be playing guitar and he probably wouldn't really be hearing it, which was kind of what it was like, to be honest, when we were gigging towards the end. He was mainly playing based on memory anyway and he was singing on head voice. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, the possibilities. I, it's had a lot of um, challenges for sure, but um, I feel like he's had a pretty good attitude with it and things like the grant that have popped up been great they've been kind of good little incentives to kind of see what's possible in this space yeah it's going to be I guess interesting it's great that people are supporting that it's going to be interesting moving forward to see how that influences reality instructors in terms of the songwriting process Um, yeah I, I guess I hope for the future that they I mean yeah I really know very little about it but hopefully the technology is improving yeah, that's year, true. Year that's, year. Mhm. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I mean, these things can take a while, but it does. It does. Um, it. You're totally right. It it improves year to year, and that's part of the reason why he put off doing it for so long. I mean, he was very very deaf before he got his implant. In a, um, looking back on it now, in like not a super functional way in terms of being able to communicate, because he left it for so long because you know. The longer you leave it, the better the kind of technological advances for sure. So, yeah, who, who knows what will be around the corner? I mean, probably not something that's um, life-changing for music interpretation in the next, you know, 10 or 20 years. But who knows? Who knows? And how how you adapt and re-engage is interesting. It's, as everyone knows as a musician and in other creative areas of life, when you're forced to have to create within restraints and um, with limitations, it's kind of interesting to see what happens. Mm. Well, we're eagerly awaiting the fruits of this um, award to see what happens in 2021 for Reality Instructors. Yeah, great. It is time for Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of topics and I ask you to choose one of them and tell us something about it. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, Patti Smith, punk rock, death, and politics. So, Eve, can you please tell us a thing? Definitely choose musical equipment. I find it hard not to choose that from the list of things actually just because I feel like your musical equipment is your ally <laughs> um and the kind of I don't know 
not source of inspiration, that sounds a bit cheesy or something, but like a little impetus, little playful punch or something in the arm. So um, with the guitar that I play in Imperial Broads, it was made by Olivia in San Diego called Brandon Madrid, who's just a lovely guy. So he makes Madrid guitars. Okay. And um, the one I have is called The Cole, and it's based on Fred Cole from Dead Moon. Uh, he's Guild Thunderbird guitar. It's got some nasty P90s in it. And um, it's really fun. And I feel like since I, I really loved the other guitar I played in Broads as well, which was a Harmony Bobcat, like a department store guitar from the 60s, which had beautiful gold foil pickups and just sounds great. Um, but it was really excited to, uh, exciting to get the Madrid guitar, just to have a guitar that felt like your own and inspired you to kind of, there you go, I use that word again, to, to I don't know, get up and play some songs and yeah it has a few fun things on like the back of the headstock which I feel is like just for me (laughs) so I can kind of be playing a show and just like look at the back of the back like top of the neck at the base of the headstock and be like oh there are my silver planets and stars and stuff so yeah it's fun so definitely a musical instrument is uh my pick when I think of the word luthier I definitely think of Spain but in my mind, I kind of see like an old classical nylon, like classical kind of guitar. Yeah, nylon string acoustic or something. Yeah. And he does make acoustics. I think is I think that's how he was trained actually, um, and and then got into making just these kind of badass electrics. Um, so so yeah, I'm not quite sure who taught him. He was definitely taught in an old school way, and is you know, vocal about that in terms of like not using certain equipment, which maybe certain luthiers would consider cheating or something. I don't know ah, about that world, right. to be honest. A know purist. What those, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the antics are. But um, yeah, so who knows? Maybe he was trained by a Spanish luthier. But um, yeah, <laughs> top guy. Cool. Well, uh, you know, I think we're all looking forward to seeing that uh crafted guitar on stage again this year and also looking forward to the releases from both of the projects that you're working on and that we spoke about today uh so yeah eve thank you so much for coming on the podcast and having a chat great thanks matt women who rock is proudly produced in the sydney studios of do as we are 107.3